Hello, this is Dwayne McCreary, and the purpose of this podcast is to give you some background on the Gospel of John, especially on the first 11 chapters, which will be our focus in Explore the Bible for the winter 2022-23 season. According to an ancient tradition, John's associates in Ephesus urged him to write a gospel that would supplement Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They also wanted him to present a more spiritual interpretation of Jesus's life, work, and ministry. The elderly John, under divine inspiration, wrote or dictated his eyewitness account. In addition, he wanted to help Christians who were being confronted by false teachings, particularly the beginning stages of a heresy known as Gnosticism, which denied the reality of the incarnation or Christ taking on human flesh. Also, he may well have wanted to counter Rome's insistence on emperor worship by emphasizing Jesus as God's son. The book reflects accounts of an eyewitness, shows familiarity with the Holy Land, and particularly displays detailed knowledge of Jerusalem. Although John's gospel does not include some of the material in the other three gospels, it contains much the others do not present. In addition, it sometimes adds more details than the other gospels. The text of John's gospel is arguably some of the simplest Greek in the New Testament. John wrote using the common marketplace Greek of his time. It was the form of Greek that people used in everyday life. Thus, John's gospel not only communicated well to its original readers, but it also communicates to provide a good starting point for new Bible students today. Although the Greek John used is relatively simple and easy to translate, the concepts he presented are hard to grasp. For example, Christ's preexistence as the Word and the Word becoming flesh in Jesus are profound and complex truths. In addition, the seven signs around which John structured chapters 1 through 11 are packed with below the surface symbolism that is not easily grasped. Also, what John meant by belief in Jesus is not as simple as it appears on the surface. Some concepts such as the new birth, eternal life, and the Holy Spirit require concentrated study and reflection. Add to those factors, John giving deeper meanings to everyday terms, such as bread, water, life, light, no, truth, free, darkness, and night. And John's gospel takes on a complexity couched in what appears to be simple language. John's gospel is not a strict biography or history of the life of Jesus, but a divinely inspired, carefully written work designed to persuade people that Jesus was God in human flesh. The apostle also intended to move his readers to place faith in Jesus for salvation and to inspire them to follow him faithfully. Now, who was John the apostle? Well, we know him as the son of Zebedee and the brother of James. The sons of Zebedee were given the nickname Sons of Thunder, we find that in Mark chapter 3. This happened when a Samaritan village refused to receive Jesus, 
so they asked the Lord if he would command fire to come down from heaven and consume the village. Because James is usually mentioned first when the two brothers are identified. Some have surmised that John was the younger of the two. The sons of Zebedee were among the first disciples called. They were fishermen on the Sea of Galilee and probably lived in Capernaum. Their father did well enough to have hired servants. And Luke 5.10 states that James and John were partners with Simon Peter. John is always mentioned in the first group of four in the list of the 12 disciples. You find those lists in Matthew 10, Mark 3, Luke 6, and Acts 1. John is also among the inner three who are with Jesus on special occasions. The raising of Jairus' daughter in Mark 5, the transfiguration, and the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Andrew joined these three when they asked Jesus about the signs of the coming destruction of Jerusalem, and we find that in Mark 13. The only words in the Synoptic Gospels attributed specifically to John are found in Mark 9 and Luke 9. Master, we saw a person casting out devils in your name, and we forbid him because he does not follow us. On another occasion, the two brothers asked to sit in places of honor on Jesus' left and right in his glory. In both occasions, Jesus challenged and rebuked John. However, Luke 12, 8 identifies John and Peter as the two disciples who were sent to prepare the Passover meal for Jesus and his disciples. Interestingly, the Gospel of John does not mention James or John by name, and it contains only one reference to the sons of Zebedee, and that's in chapter 21, verse 2, near the end of the account. An unnamed disciple who with Andrew had been one of John the Baptist's disciples is mentioned in John chapter one, verse 35. And an unnamed disciple helped Peter gain access to the house of the high priest in John 18. The disciple in these verses may very well have been the beloved disciple who reclined with Jesus during the last supper, stood at the cross with Jesus's mother, ran with Peter to the empty tomb, and recognize the risen Lord after the great catch of fish. The Apostle John appears three times in the book of Acts, and each time he is with Peter. Chapter 1, verse 13, chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, chapter 4, verses 13 and 20, and chapter 8, verse 14. Paul mentions John only once, and that's in his letter to the Galatians. He states that James... Cephas, or Simon Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars of the church, agreed that Paul and Barnabas would go to the Gentiles while they would work among the Jews. Because of this reference, some think John's gospel was an account written to Jews in Asia Minor, which is around Ephesus, or to Jews dispersed across the Roman Empire. Others believe he focused on Greeks or Gentiles who needed Christianity's basic truths restated in everyday terms. Ultimately, John wrote to anyone and everyone who would have access to his message of God's love, mercy, 
and grace made incarnate in Jesus and offered to all people. John made clear his overriding evangelistic purpose. But these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and believing you may have life in his name. John's primary purpose was to demonstrate that Jesus was the Messiah and God's Son, and to offer the good news of salvation found in Christ to both Jews and Gentiles. As we focus on the first 11 chapters of John, we will find six key themes. The Word, Jesus' relationship to God, faith and belief, signs and I am statements, Jesus' relationship to humans, and growing persecution by religious leaders. Let's look at these six themes. First of all, the Word. Jesus is the eternal logos, the Greek term translated word in John 1. The word is preexistent, meaning that Jesus has always existed and played an active role in the creation of the world and all that is. Then in God's perfect timing, the word became flesh and took up residence among humanity to reveal God and to sacrifice himself as the Lamb of God, who takes away the world's sin. John's entire purpose for his gospel was to reveal Jesus as the Son of God and to encourage individuals to accept him as Savior. The next theme, Jesus' relationship to God. John did not begin with Mary and Joseph, as did Luke, nor did he trace Jesus' human lineage to Abraham, as Matthew had done. Instead, John began in the beginning, where the Word was with God and was God. Throughout his gospel, John wanted readers to understand Jesus was God the Son. Jesus declared that he and the Father are one. A third theme, faith and belief. Believing in Jesus is the true and only way to God. In John's mind, Belief involved more than just mental assent. Instead, it required action and a spiritual transformation. Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus in chapter 3 emphasized this need to be born again to establish a renewed and living relationship with God. Another theme are signs in the I Am Statements. John grounded his announcement of Jesus as Messiah around a series of signs or miracles and I am statements. The signs were not just miracles that demonstrated Jesus' power and authority. They also pointed to his presence as the one who had been promised centuries earlier. While not including many of the miracles found in the Synoptic Gospels, John describes specific signs that supported Jesus' claim to be the Son of God by turning water into wine, feeding the multitude, and walking on water, Jesus revealed his power over creation. By healing a nobleman's son, he showed his power over illness. When he healed on the Sabbath, Jesus incurred the wrath of religious elites. And when he raised Lazarus from the dead, those leaders began plotting his death. Likewise, the various I am statements 
served as explicit claims of deity and equality with God. Jesus declared that I am the bread of life, the light of the world, the door for the sheep, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life, and the true vine. He demonstrated a self-awareness of his role as Messiah and Savior. And his actions and words also made it clear to religious leaders and other intentional listeners who he was claiming to be. Another theme is Jesus's relationship to humans. Jesus used numerous metaphors to describe his relationship to people. He's the gate to the sheepfold and the good shepherd. As such, Jesus consistently demonstrated compassion for people, both collectively and as individuals. He wanted people to believe in him so they could have life that was eternal and abundant. The last theme is a growing persecution by religious leaders. Jesus consistently placed his concern for people over his practice of rituals, which sparked animosity from the spiritual elites. Many of the incidents of conflict between Jesus and the religious leaders, particularly the Pharisees, involved debates over the Sabbath. Opposition to Jesus also solidified into a murderous conspiracy over his identity as the Son of God. Jesus consistently claimed that he was not only sent by the Father, but that he was also one with the Father. Despite the testimony of the Father through his words and works, the Jewish leaders only heard blasphemy. Even more so, they saw Jesus as a threat to their authority. Most of us have something we experience that we wish we could put in print. Others may have shared about that event already, but did so from their perspective. What they said was correct, but we may feel a need to help people go deeper into that story or event or get a fresh look at it. Mark recorded Peter's recollections about Jesus. Luke shared what he gleaned from interviews with eyewitnesses to the events surrounding Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection. Matthew, an eyewitness, shared what he knew and saw. John appears to have given attention to stories that brought focus to Jesus being the revealed Christ, the promised Messiah. John even tells us there were more stories to be told that he did not include. We could find some of those in the other gospel accounts. John was writing to help his readers go deeper into the story so that they would believe in Jesus. In the months ahead, we'll be looking at the stories John included in his gospel account. Some of these stories only appear in John's account, and they help us get a deeper understanding of the identity of Jesus. Our prayer is that we will get a fresh glimpse of Jesus during this study and gain confidence that he is the promised Messiah who came to offer us abundant life. Thank you.